I actually met DMX once when I lived in uh, Hollywood. I would frequent a bar which is no longer there called the Coach and Horses on Sunset. And right on the corner, there was a 7-Eleven. Uh, after an evening of drinking hard, doing, uh, you know, drinking Grolsch, which is the most disgusting beer on earth, uh, and uh, what are those things? Irish car bombs. I would frequent the... Uh, 7-Eleven on the way home and buy some disgusting burritos um, and, and junk food. And, and I was in there and uh, rolls up this wh- all white Mercedes with like white wheels and shit. And, uh, and out comes DMX. DMX is like, is like the black Alex Jones. Uh, and he comes in and I was, I was uh, drunk, of course. And I looked at him. And I specifically remember saying to him, yo, most of your fans are white. That's all I said. Uh, He laughed. I wasn't being mean. I was just like, I said it like kind of funny and friendly and kind of standoffish, awkward. And he just went, oh. That was my interaction with uh, the late, great Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer singer, DMX. Uh, It's kind of sad that we don't even know his name. You know, we just know he sounds like BMX, but with a D. And that's who he is. What else? Let's talk. uh, I don't even know if this is real, but this is that dead guy. He said there's going to be very a lot of viruses. The company's going to make all the money. Intelligence agencies are going to make viruses and then they're going to get rich and sell them the cures. Uh, and for those of you listening, that was uh, Muammar Gaddafi, the, the dude who uh, Hillary really enjoyed killing. We went, we saw, and we killed him. <laughs> um, maybe they killed him for that reason. I mean, the speculation is he was about, he was about to control his own oil source and move the, the standard of oil trade onto his currency there in, uh, Africa. And, uh, we couldn't have that. And so, you know, we had to off him. Uh, Hillary Clinton had to off him, but maybe it was because of that. Maybe the, I mean, he exposed that too. Now, I'll be fair, I don't know if that's what he's saying. I mean, anyone could just take old footage of Muammar Gaddafi. You don't even need footage now. You just do uh, some old grainy face swapping, deep fake, and then uh, write some text underneath and be like, he, he warned us about the, the vaccines and the viruses. I kind of believe it's real because it's, it's believable. I don't think it's that far out to, uh, whether it's true or not, to use the narrative of virus synthesis to control and to manipulate and to expand uh, what we can do in the world of uh, chemical and psychological warfare, which overlap. If you notice the trend, uh, chemical and psychological warfare, uh, it's very hard to separate the fear-based narratives that are driven by fake media, fake psyops, uh, you know, stuff we can't verify that tell us we should be afraid of chemical war, chemical warfare. And there, it's impossible to separate what actually is the danger and what actually is presented as the danger. And of course, that problem 
his is now hitting all sorts of uh, categories, if not all categories of, of experience and knowledge. The overlap of what's real and what's not real. How do you verify any of it? Is it all just a drip feed from the same, uh, you know, number of sources that have sit atop this uh, massive uh, tree, uh, a massive set of lungs that drip down the narrative uh, to the very ends of the bronchioles, uh, to uh, the commoners like you and I, the peasants who go, well, they gave us that. Um, who knows? I don't know if that's real. I don't even know if DMX died, you know? I Maybe he was dead already, and they're like, let's wait. I had this theory that when famous people die, I had this, like, this, uh, this movie idea, and uh, it actually was based on, like, Whitney, uh, Whitney, Whitney Spears, Whitney Houston. Whitney Spears would be a funny uh, mashup, face deepfake. Um, and this concept that when people die that are that big and famous, that, like, uh, so the, the movie would begin with the, her death, right, in a bathtub on crack or whatever, drowning, and then what happens is there's a bidding war between all the hotels before anyone knows about it. And they bid on being able to say uh, that Whitney Houston died at their hotel. And it's like this weird commerce, this commodity of narrative, like a narrative commodity. And, um, and that it breaks away into this whole marketplace of um, famous people uh, selling... Um, selling the, um, the rights to disclosure of their death and to other people, to companies, to entities, to journalists, to, uh, whatever, to politicians. And, and they sell on a sort of like a black market, uh, the rights to, uh, reveal when they decide to die. Now it's a little out there because, um, if they died too early and they waited too long, it would be questionable based on the friends and family not seeing this person. So it's a little out there. doesn't make total sense, but it still fascinates me, especially in this new era of uh, fake uh, communication, fake, um, fake narratives, fake people, fake stories, fake voices, fake faces. Uh, the kind of deception that's going to be possible, uh, especially if the psycho psychopathic technocrats are able to keep humans atomized and immobile. I mean, not moving. I mean, strictly imagine what's possible in the world of misinformation and control. If they can convince a people to reduce all of their otherwise in-person, uh, meetups with digital, with just digital interaction only, uh, zoom, FaceTime, uh, all the Cisco systems that they're going to try to push, all the Microsoft systems they're going to try to push on us, keeping people mobilized in their own little virtual helmet. Um, and we're not even talking about virtual reality because, um, you know, we could argue, arguably say that FaceTime, even this is a form of virtual reality. Uh, and there's there's definitely benefits to those who are who are pushing these new schemes to keep people locked in uh, to a black mirror based, uh, solely communication system where they don't actually physically meet in person. Cause that's where the power is, where you meet people in person. It's not just where we actually experience the human connection and the transcendental. It's that that's power being able to meet in person assembly, power of assembly. Uh, and I don't think zoom is the power of assembly. I think even this 
it might have some power. It might have some entertainment value. Uh, you might think differently. You might enjoy it. You might laugh. But I don't think it's exactly the same as power of physical assembly at all. Um, what else we got here? Oh, this lady. I told her I'd focus on her dumbass comment. It, LOL, isn't the owner of this account religious? <laughs> Four emojis. Well, I'm going to, you know, I give her a pass because she's probably like 18 or something. Probably killed three of her babies already. Um, and I asked, why? What does that matter? Religion or not? And she says, all all religions are predicated on fal- unfalsifiable, unproven faith-based delusions. <laughs> what did I say yesterday? This is the theme. Any argument against God is can be used against truth itself, and that includes all metaphysical presuppositions, all assumptions that we rely on to do any sort of uh, proof-based uh, um, discernment. So... I said, me, you mean like the laws of logic and mathematics? Unprovable. You can't prove math. You can't prove the laws of logic. You can't prove meaning. You can't prove every aspect, every category necessary to do science, uh, which you assume is the only level of truth, you little retard. I call uh, young girls who are, are uh, you know, viciously... Um, arrogant with their knowledge, even at 18 or whatever. I call them retarts because they're little tarts, but they're retarted. You see how I, what I did there? Anyway, these people, uh, they have no arguments. They have no real arguments. It's all just nonsense. But I wanted to show that because uh, it's just an example. And now I'm more aware of the examples. Like every time the argument comes up and they try to make fun of a theist for faith-based assumptions or whatever, you simply turn it on them with the concept of truth, laws of logic, reasoning, meaning, numbers, all faith-based, all completely faith-based. No, it's not. Laws of logic can be applied to to, to physical. (laughs) No, you can't verify any of it. Sorry. <clears throat> Prince Philip just died in the UK. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, deaths. They, some might be real, some might not be. The whole point, I think, the future, and it's going to be soon, if not already happened, is that at some point, we're going to get the first first con- um, convincing deep fake replacement of a death. I don't know if it's already happened. I have no way of telling you or proving it. Or I don't even know where to begin, but I thought it was going to start with the with the Kim Jong-un guy. I thought North Korea was a perfect. Because you can't just do it with anybody. You have to do it with a leader who... Um, you have to do it with a leader who uh, is isolated. And for a good reason, it's believable that they're isolated. So the North Korean dictator is perfect because they're always isolated from the people. They're isolated from uh, the world. And you could actually replace someone like that with an AI. And it would be believable that they only report and do interviews or report to the people via some sort of uh, Cisco system, Microsoft, face uh, time and whatnot. And so the more comfortable uh, people get with immobile communication, direct uh, virtual reality kind of scenarios, the more deception is going to be uh, 
uh, permitted and, and, and accepted because you won't need or even most people won't even be interested in verifying or falsifying any new information. They'll just be like, well, at least they give me my own little zone, uh, my own little imaginary world of communicating. I get to communicate with all the people I like, uh, my own little capsule. We get to talk about whatever we want. And, and ironically, this stream is a version of that. Um, so I get the value of it and um, how cool it is. But at the same time, I do see the logical follow of all of this and that uh, what, uh, what the precedent is if everyone, if, if we decide to abandon the physical space for the convenience or, um, you know, amenities or uh, coolness of new tech and uh, immersive technologies and communication technology, it's really going to hit us uh, harder than most of these other things that seem to be abrupt. Um, I think communication technology is going to hit us equal to relative to how outsourcing labor and getting cheap products. It's the same um, trajectory. So we're now in the repercussions, in the result, in the impact zone of 50 years of replacing our own personal labor as men um, and knowledge of, of community-based uh, products and services and supply chains, replace them completely with, uh, with little tiny Chinese yellow hands and massive corporations who just blindly, they don't need to know who we are as people. They just need to know our data, what our interests are. And there's this ongoing replacement of real value versus direct immediacy and we're starting to see that immediacy, it does have a value, but it's not equal to real value. And uh, real value you can protect. And that means it's based in culture, in community, in trust, in family, in, uh, in theology. And um, these things get protected. But when you break down nations with, I mean, immigration is always this hot topic, but, but immigration is still secondary to outsourcing. The, the invasion of giving people what they need at the, the, the individual level, like turning people into debt-based consumer machines, is actually more impactful against uh, foundations, against cultures, customs, religion, uh, in-group, uh, uh, homogenous pr- um, communities and, set, and such, more than immigration, because immigration, you know, yeah, you could you could uh, send a bunch of uh, immigrants to all different countries, and over time their homogeneity will splinter, right? But it doesn't matter if you turn everybody into these atomized uh, debt-based uh, consumers. It doesn't matter what the cultures are, because they'll all splinter uh, equally into that. And so, the same thing I see with uh, information technology is that we we outsource so so from the industrial revolution we we started to outsource um our own personal value and labor uh and trade it with efficiency and cheaper products where we don't know where they come from but we get them faster and cheaper and it saves money and we could do other things and so in the end we end up being a slave and that's the only reason why these large companies and um this massive um, effort to form compliance, a compliance-based um, society. That's the only reason it's possible. 
is because we've been so dependent. Now look at communication technology. The same, we up to up to a certain point, we've still not be uh, we've we're pretty dependent on email and uh, phones, but we still a part of us, the the human part of us, the the part the spirit in us wants to meet in person and see people, see smiles, gather right, um, and so as we outsource that to the digital, uh, we will, uh, we will diminish the value of, of doing that, of meeting in person. This is the same way we diminish the value of using our own hands in blood, sweat, and tears to make the thing that our neighbor knows we made and pays for that and keeps economics, trust, uh, efficiency within the pe- the community, within the people, your people that you know. And so all of it's outsourcing everything. It's not some big, uh, there might be a plan behind it, but I- I'm starting to see more and more that you don't need a scapegoat because it's all based on the same urges, convenience, appetites, uh, individualization. I'm a person, I have my own thing I want just leave me alone and let me consume my own stuff. You know, it's all based on that. And so it ends up being on, on the, on, on the person, you know, it's our our fault for trading, uh, the value of the community, the value of, uh, homogeny, the, the value of shared values and customs, uh, and beliefs, and trading that with my own, I get to at least, yeah, we have no culture anymore and families are disappearing, but at least I get to order from like Amazon. That's the trade-off. So the same is going to happen with communication. And if not, it's already uh, first quarter, maybe second quarter. Um, it's pretty crazy. Um... Jim Bob, is nothing everything? Uh, no, that's nonsensical. Nothing's just the absence of something. So you can't actually, it's all, nothing's just purely conceptual like space. It's just the, the absence. It's the absence. Do you have a calcified pineal gland? I don't really buy into that pineal gland uh, shit. A lot of that stuff's been debunked, and I know people hate that word debunked. But uh, someone, some guy, some dude ran with that and was like, "Eh, pineal gland," and then Joe Rogan was like, "Eh, pineal gland," and all everyone's like running with the pineal gland. And it's like, nah, I don't think so. Ooh, yeah. Oh, here, here we go. Let's listen to these science guys. Moved entirely 10 meters to the left. Would it matter? Mm-hmm. Does it even mean something to say that? Because no relationships would right, change. Right. And Newton said yes. 
It is different. And Leibniz said, no, it's even wrong to ask the question because there's no discernible difference between the universe here and the universe 10 meters to the left. And this very question of whether space is a framework, an absolute background, or whether space is an aspect of reality that grows out of a network of relationships of causality, of change, is the fundamental question, as has been for 400 years. Would you shut up? You don't even know what you're saying. Network of space. Space. What are you talking about? Is is space the the result of a network of cause? Shut up. Space is the absence of matter. It's really simple. There's no space. There's no actual property to space. Okay. You can't grab space. It's just, you look at space, it's filled with matter and the absence of matter, and there's no other properties to space. You you, you little pervy-looking freak. These guys get like get me so enraged because of how, they, the way they talk, it's like the master class. They just take all the people who want to theoretically masturbate, you know, whack their brain off, and they just get them into the zone. It's almost a form of hypnosis where nobody checks them because they're sitting in this little set and there's no one, the cameraman's like, I can't believe I get to film these two. And then, and they're just with their legs crossed and just, they're just meant, they're just, they're just brain scissoring. That's all they're doing. And then, and then everyone is in the comment. Hey, this is a I can listen to these guys. Too. They're not saying anything. And we need to un- to understand space-time is critical to understand the nature of our universe. It's the most important question. Yeah. Okay. So what it's is most- time? What is space? Okay. Even more important than what are the... Well, that's already been answered, silly people. Space is the absence of matter. Time is an immaterial concept we use to measure the changes in magnitude that we can see. There's no thing called time. There, it's not. These people want to present time and space as this meshing, this, you know, a trampoline. Oh, it's a trampoline. No, a trampoline's a trampoline. That's actually fabric. Uh, it's like this nylon stretchy fabric. If you put a bowling ball on it, you're not demonstrating anything about space-time. You're just reifying space-time by uh, examining a metaphor, uh, a physical a reenactment uh, and, and all you're doing is trying to verify space. There's such thing as a fabric of space-time. The word fabric is a physical claim. What are you talking about? What's the fabric made of? Well, I don't know. Made of space-time. No, you can't do that. Uh, this is not science. These people are not scientific. They're not speaking in terms of science. It's all theoretical, nonsensical bullshit. And nobody, like, most of us know this, but but these guys are running the show. They're, they're, they're sitting on their little TED Talks and selling their books and getting all the young men who are, who are you know, I'm into polyamory. You know, you know all on this shit. And it's all nonsense. There's no science be, behind anything they're saying at all. It's just, it's so insane that these people get to go, look at this guy. I'm going to convince people. No. Go play your little, you know, this guy definitely has mini golf in his basement. Definitely. It's it's incredible. They get away with this stuff.
Would I consider drawing for Chris Sky? No. This is interesting. Listen to this guy. Like you got a, sec, a, a third term. Well, um, and I, I used to say, you know what? If if I could make an arrangement where um, I had a I had a, a stand-in, a front man or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats, mm-hmm. looking through the stuff, and then I could sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony. Uh, I, I'd be fine with it. And what you know now, do you wish like? So, Obama, you just said you'd be totally fine with mass deception. You'd be totally fine having a front man like a Trump or someone else and just whispering in their ear and running the show and deceiving the people and and undermining what they see as um, a representative republic. You know, you know, you know, if I, if I could, if I could, if I could marry a dude, you know, who has a dick and, uh, you know, you didn't build that, Malaya, Malaya, if I could, if I could marry a, a dude with a dick, um, and, uh, you know, she stands up, like he, he presents himself as a woman, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be totally fine with that, yeah. You know when when uh when 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 Michael when Michael gets gets a a Woody, you know I I, I look her look at her him it and I say you didn't build that. Obama's uh, a disgusting human being. Uh, for that reason alone, he literally just said it. I'm um, I'm willing to deceive on a mass scale, totally lie, totally undermine everything people think. And then people will be like, I just miss that guy so much. Do you hear what he just said? Yeah, but I just miss him so much. He'd probably, you know, he'd probably do a really good job if if he did a Cyrano de Bergerac sort of, uh, you know, presidency. I'm not even saying that that stuff doesn't already happen. You know, probably happens on, on a scale we'd be uncomfortable knowing. But, I mean, people tell you how deceptive they are. That's what's so funny. That's what's so funny about, uh, you know, these like comments like, oh, it's right in front of your face uh, in plain sight. Yeah, it's always been in plain sight. They just tell you that's part of the joke. That's part of the trick. That's part of why they laugh is that they tell you everything they're doing and uh, and they just watch, you know, they're just like, cool, you know, you know, you know, um, you know, yep, it's terrible. Well, uh, Michael, Michael, can you tell BB to unban me? I don't know what happened. I don't know. I can't tell Owen to do anything. You probably said something dumb. You probably, you probably said, you probably said in his chat, um, "Please tell so and so to unban me." I don't know. If you got banned for your own reason, 
If he thinks you should be banned, I'm going to address that he thinks you should be banned. You know what I mean? You know what I build that? Want some dick? Want a dick? How big of a tipping point do you think the vaccine really is? The vaccine is just a, uh, it's just a introduction to a, to a platform. It's just the stepping stool. It's just a, it's like a little step. You know, you're an old lady and, uh, they're helping you up the step to on the, onto the platform. The platform, uh, the precedent for the, the COVID pass, it's just, it's just beautifully executed that it's under the guise of pandemic, epidemiology, virology, health, well-being, safety, and uh, really it's applicable to all things and people just aren't thinking about that. They don't, they don't understand that once you give the government and the entire supply chain uh, system the go-ahead to determine arbitrarily whether you can have access to things based on what would otherwise be uh, private information protected by HIPAA law, You've just given away everything. It's everything. It's not it's not just one thing, it's all things. You've based the precedent is you need we need inside your body. We need to know what's going on in your body. We need to know your medical history to get a beer. And I'm fine with it. I don't like it, but I'm not going to pretend that this trajectory is suddenly going to stop. It's, it's almost necessary for people to, uh, to reject it and to build elsewhere because rejecting it on its, on, its, on its own, you might get some places here and there that reject it wholesale. They're just like, no, we're not living life like that. And there'll, there'll be enough of those and enough places like that that you can go to or whatnot. But the thing is rejecting it on a, on, just on its face isn't enough because if you're still dependent and, and I always say this because it's the same thing with like the masks like you can try to battle people and run into these stores and cause all this havoc and have people film it and be like I bought my stuff you know I left money on the counter get out of here. everyone's not going to do that you know it the battle it, the, the war of this stuff already happened you know the war happened and was lost when we became fully dependent on on uh, private public partnerships. When we when we gave away our own labor and knowledge of where things come from and how they're made, uh, we traded them with Walmart and the the equivalent of Walmart in every direction for everything, everything supply, every form of consumption and supply, totally out of our hands. We were in the mouse experiment before all of this. You know, I even myself. Oh, it's going toward the mouse experiment. No, I've looked at 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 it a little more honestly, and uh, I'm wrong. We've been in the we've been in the mouse utopia experiment. It's been a while. It's been a while, and the wake up call isn't look where this is going. Say no to vax. Say no to mat. No, no, it's before that. It's. If you don't figure out a way out of uh, complete dependency on top-down supply chains, it doesn't matter what you fight because there's always going to be something else. If you won the mask war and you're still dependent, whatever comes down the pipe, what, whatever they say next is a necessity for participation in economics, mobility, socialization, 
whatever. They, they're just make it up. And they have enough monopoly uh, uh, conglomerates to actually execute these things. They're teaming up now. The government and the corporations are now one. And they see, they agree on a certain f- kind of future, a technocratic future where uh, a lot of everything's provided, um, you know, and they, they give it to you. They give you everything you need uh, because because this has all been so inconvenient for you. And that's part of the, the training, the mental training, is that you have a lot of people arguing against this stuff based on the same reasoning that they got got into it in the first place, convenience. So in a way, saying, oh, this is all very inconvenient for me is still playing the same exact game because it's appealing to a convenience. It's the reason we're in the place that we're in is convenience. So the reasoning out of it can't be, this is very inconvenient. Can you stop it, please? This is very inconvenient. Would you just please stop it? It's the, it's the carrot. It's the leverage point. That's the whole, that's the whole thing. And when convenience is the ultimate, uh, you know, economic, um, cornerstone, then your compliance will be the, the direct currency. And that's where, that's where it all goes. Especially if you give up this whole NFT shit, all these artists making this demonic art, everyone reaching, Hey, Jim, you should, I will make one NFT and it'll be a warning against NFT and I'll put a huge price on it because it's clearly, whether it's purposeful or not, it's acting as a psyop to gather and aggregate anti-establishment sentiment, all of this stuff, the libertarian view, the anarchist view, the art, the artist, the the subculture, um, and to, to get them behind some new a revolutionary uh, platform for art, you know, and creativity. And that's exactly how they use the music industry to, to promote their nonsense. It's the same thing. They're just going to pull everyone in, open the gates, show people are winning. Oh, the artist finally wins. Oh, artists can actually make money now. Artists, no, no, you're just, you're just agreeing that nothing's physical. You're just agreeing to operate in the non-physical and pretend that's value until it's not. And then you have nothing. So I'm going to go ahead and make one thing that's a warning. I might embed some uh, scripture into the, the the thick, shitty lines of my artwork. Um, and that's it. Because I also know if I continue doing what I'm doing um, and make physical work, physical books, physical paintings... As everyone else gets rich doing NFT in their quick jump over there, um, because they're they want the money, right? They want they think money's value. No, uh, while they're doing that, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing, and uh, when I make it through the gauntlet, the fight between the physical layer and the the digital layer, and I continue my physical. Uh, the stuff that I do and all artists like me who continue to pursue physical uh, creation uh, will win out. We will be in the highest demand. And, um, and going the other du- direction, that's a, that's a, it's a trick. It's a bait. It's a, it's a uh, catfish. It is a honey trap. And I don't, I can just see where that's all going. 
and it's not, yeah, you're going to, yeah, you guys, you artists, I'm not going to blame you. I could see what you're doing. You want to make money really quick. You don't see any other opportunity to make money as an artist really quick. I'm just not, I see the trap. I see the trap. It's just not a good thing. Because every, if you apply that, that whole system to every other thing, you have no, there's no freedom. There, there's no agency. You don't hold a physical thing and you don't trade it. If everyone adopts crypto and, and the government enforces it as the only way to do exchanges, you can't even, they could possibly make it illegal for you to trade a boot for a, a knife handle, for, to trade a pistol for a, a fish, fishing pole set or whatever. Like trade itself, it must be, it must be on the ledger. It's got to be on the ledger. That's how we ensure safety and legality. You know, it's got to be on the ledger. We need a documentation of it. It's all, it's for your protection. It's for your protection. So things don't go, you know, awry and then uh, you have to fight it in court. Do you understand how much court, um, you know, litigation is going to be reduced with, with crypto? You know, it's going to be amazing. Don't you want provenance on your art? Don't you want provenance on all of your interactions so you can protect yourself? Everyone's going to buy into crypto under the same guise as buying into a vaccine. Don't you want to be protected? It's going to protect you. Oh, do you know, you don't know, understand what can go wrong. You know, don't you want to participate in society? COVID pass equals digital everything. It's not about COVID. It's not about pandemics. It's not about virology and sickness and coughing. It's about getting you to step up on two little steps onto a fully digitized economy which will require your digital participation, both outer space and inner space, in your body, outside your body. That's, that'll be their new uh, way of signing in to, uh, to said economic uh, prosperity. You know, don't you want your opportunity? And in a way, I hate to say it, but you know, we're, I'm 40, many of you are my age. There was a time when, uh, when you were born, you didn't need a social security card. You didn't need an identify, uh, identification card. You didn't need all of these metrics, those lower, lower resolution metrics uh, of, of data. And, and just think then there may have been people who are like, no, this is nonsense. I don't need, I don't need your rule on how I identify, uh, my name and who I am and where I am to participate in, in an economy. This is nonsense. But in a way, it's the same thing except in the future. And um, that's, not, uh, that's not an argument for accepting it. It's just realistically looking at it from a wider um, uh, viewpoint to understand how these things go and why we as humans in our short lifespan, we judge things going on only based on what our life has shown us so far. So all the things we're against or, or opposed to or frightened by, uh, they're all limited to our own experience and our, uh, our knowledge of the past. But compared to 
a larger segment of time of people, say five, eight, ten generations, it's all the same thing happening over and over again. It's standardized systems everywhere. That's the that's the goal of the utilitarian. The you know, and the the default place for a non-theist is utility. That's the only place they can go, right to the world, worldliness. And so it's always been here, Adam and Eve. It's always been here. Spirit versus utility. You being your own God or following God's law. That's it. It's over and over and over again. You know, that's why um, That's why even arguing on the particular levels, the mask, this or that, even the vaccine, it's like you're either pursuing and following moral law or you're following feather pen law. And, uh, and the consequences are, are evident. Who are the streamers you enjoy watching? Uh, I pretty much only watch, uh, Owen Benjamin and, um, I, I don't know. As far as streamers, I just I watch a bunch of like YouTuber YouTube interview stuff and um, audio books and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I lose interest in in uh, people talking um, if they're not really pushing boundaries. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, a lot of people. I'm just like, what? I mean, sometimes I'll just, I'll just tap into uh, like a James True uh, because it's so nonsensical and I just, it's like fun and I won't troll him anymore. I don't like say anything. I just listen because it's just like, you know, it's a good reference point of where you could go in relativism. If you, if you keep going with relativism, you will end up at a campfire next to that guy or you'll start sounding like him. And so it's good to have those reference points, but it's not because it's necessarily enjoyable. Some of it is. I think what I gave up is like trying to convince him or trying to like win and be like, that's logically retarded. And then, you know, this back and forth, it's just so bitchy. And so I let go of that part and I save that just for like Bernie Sanders posts. So I reserve uh, one aspect of my little bitchiness, um, you know, uh, for that kind of stuff, but otherwise it's just like, what, what is he saying? Get your morality from a tree. What? What? I fisted an owl. How can you be so cool and not afraid of leftists? I don't know if that is uh, sarcasm, but you shouldn't be afraid of leftists. How can you be afraid of people who have no foundation? 
People who have no foundation can't do anything to you because they eat their own quicker than they can get to you. People who have a basis for truth that's relative and always changing are at the mercy of what's fashionable. People who don't have a foundation for truth are at the mercy of what's fashionable. What that means is as soon as the current changes of agreement, they're done. They either eat or they're eaten constantly. And so you can't be afraid of people who are on a tiger because eventually you get bumped off and get eaten. You can't be afraid of people who are either at the tail or the mouth of an Ouroboros snake. They eat themselves and you just watch as the probably non-existent Chinese philosopher of war, Sun Tzu, said, Don't interfere when the enemy destroys yourself. Oh! If you see the enemy destroy yourself, you don't get in way. Why you do that? No! No, you don't afraid. You don't have to be afraid, lefty. The same thing applies to the right. I mean, there's these fake neocon rights who play the games, you know. They pretend that they're persecuted from big tech, but they are suckling the tit of, of, of the banking and the debt and the war and the, even the big tech. They love it. Uh, don't interfere. I just want. You just want with your eye. Open your eye. It's hard for me to open my eye, but you open your eye and you can see. You don't need no fear. They they tumble down on their own. They built in sand. You build castle made of limestone and brick. They they build castle made of sand. And ca- like my favorite, my favorite heroin junkie, Jimmy Henry. He say, when castle me of sand, fall in where sea. Event what we okay when castle me will sand far in the sea eventually <clears throat> oh yeah can you please do some funny shit in Chinaman voice? Check. Thoughts on Colorado? It's all going to be bluish. Everything's given by the main the main places, like the, the cities, like Denver or New York City or Portland. And they all are run uh, to run these new simulations of these these big um, you know, these big fun named initiatives. I was actually Megan and I were watching our town council meeting, you know, there's five or six people arguing for for uh, you know, the mayor or whatever the position is. I even, I forgot. Um, and I did notice something is that all of the questions that were asked started from the accepted, uh, scenario of an, uh, of an existing initiative. I thought that was fascinating and not too surprising, but a little bit alarming at the local level. Cause 
because it's starting from well what do you how are you going to um foresee and oversee the you know the the renewable initiative whatever it is and it's like it's not a matter of whether i agree with the initiative or not or whether it's based in super sjw racially driven nonsense it's that they're presenting the arguments as if the outcomes and the pursuits are already established and then they pick these faces to argue and be and, and try out for the wrestle you know wrestling it's like wrestling it's like you establish the characters wwe writes all the narratives they know who's gonna push to win and who's not and who's gonna jump off the, the tight ropes and not and you audition for the existing role in an existing narrative that has some sort of end and um you know, seeing that at the local level is a little worrisome uh, because it, knowing that it exists on the national level is obvious. Uh, but at least local, in my mind, they still there was still a reserve for uh, agency, for influence. You can go and, and redirect the direction. I'm not saying that's not possible. I'm just saying what I noticed in that meeting in a fairly small town, you know, not too small, like 80,000. Uh, the initiatives and all of the, the goals were already established and you just get people of standing on different sides politically in between arguing how they're going to pursue those goals as opposed to what are the goals as opposed to someone coming in and going, well, this is my goal. This is what I want to do. No, it's, here's the goals. You tell us how you're going to do it, champ. And, uh, that just demonstrates that uh, these things get sold at the local level, and then they then they just need they need spearhead good statesmen to push those agendas, and those agendas don't come from the local. These things are crafted in think tanks, they're packaged and they're delivered from uh, the state level or the federal level, and then they're they're pushed down the throats of the local, and uh, I don't know. I think if I were to participate in local, I would actually call this stuff out um, as opposed to like running because obviously doing something at that level, when you see that is the case, it's a little bit like, wait, so if anyone's interested in, in directing where local goes, they're literally just auditioning at the local, now at the local, is that, is that where we are, folks? Is that, is that America? Is this that, is that where we are? Just like the local news. Yeah. It makes sense that the economics will follow the information. How information is delivered. Uh, it seems plausible that uh, that's how uh, economics would follow. Given that economics is... Uh, is uh, the mechanics of economics is now information. It, that makes sense. When cash are made of sand, fire in the sea, eventually. Anyway, I gotta go. Uh, by Savage means volume two, three, I mean. Two is sold out, so it's one. Um, other than that, uh, go to madebyjimbob.com. There's other stuff there we're working on. Um, and uh, if you want something painted, your favorite comic, whether it's a one frame or four, uh, just uh, direct message me or email me at madebyjimbob at gmail. Other than that, I hope you enjoy this stream 
and enjoy your the rest of your day. Uh, make sure to uh, get off of the phone and interact with people physically so that you uh, remember to retain the value of the physical space because uh, that's where the future war uh, occurs of our minds and over our minds and spirits uh, in the physical. That's where we redeem our humanity. Okay, bye.